podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back after a perhaps slightly more muted uh, week of FPL after last week's fireworks to discuss what is, what has been and what will be. As we record, just as the game week swung song is croaking, the Wolves-Everton game is just finishing as we put our mouths to mics. Um, shouldn't change things too much, but just FYI, in case anything does change in what we say right now, we are who got the assist. I'm Tom, you can find us on, on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP. 403T and we're also on video as I say every week. Go on YouTube if you want to find us and watch our ugly mugs speak. Um, and I also put together a pretty slideshow for anyone who cares about that sort of thing using all of my uh, corporate knowledge. So yeah, find us on YouTube there. As I said, my co host is indeed FPL Stag. Anthony, you're all right. Hey Tom, yeah, very good to be here. I was actually in London over the weekend. I'd been hoping to see the Spurs Man United game, which would have been a great game to catch, but in the end, the tickets that we had fell through for that. Um, thankfully, we weren't ripped off or anything, but tickets fell through. So I ended up at Fulham versus West Brom. So useless for an FEL perspective until next season, but a good game nonetheless to be at. Uh, otherwise, though, yeah, as you say, Tom, it was a game week that didn't necessarily cut as raw for many people as the game week before did. So uh, <laughs> I guess at least this week, we're both coming into it um, with fine game weeks where nothing went too horribly wrong. And I think that would be the case for most people who are listening. So this part, I guess, maybe moving on with that and maybe looking ahead, we're going to be looking at the 200 Club again. We're going to do a bit of a historic review and use that review to kind of ground projections for this season so basically we're going to see where the 200 club members were at in previous seasons at about this time in the season uh, so that'll be a really interesting one to kind of drive our conversation to figure out who are the season keepers really amongst the players that are doing well so far this term and whether we can identify them or we have a correspondence section as well which is looking at the triple captaincy and whether we should use it on Salah at any time soon and we'll of course have the listeners questions as well to round things off but as per usual we are going to start off with the game reviews Yep, and I think you've um, just shaded me by one measly point this week, um, just because of uh, Mr. Cody conceding. So yeah, 53 for you this week. Uh, the recovery continues. Yeah, 53 points. So I'm now up to in around 630k. So I've got about a you know 100k-ish, 150k, I guess, um, rise in rank from last week, which is good. I'm just glad to be kind of cutting away at things bit by bit. I'm seven points off the top 500k now and about 50 points off the top 100k which is isn't too bad it's obviously i was it was much further away a few weeks ago so at least that's a positive this week the 53 was kind of driven from a variety of sources i had sanchez in goal just the one point there but to be honest that was unexpected to even get one out of him given how brighton were doing at half time in that game uh cancelo two points which was whatever disappointing but i kind of didn't feel like that was much of a hurt rudiger with six points obviously a good result but not as good as some of the chelsea wingbacks that some people had which meant i kind of feel like i lost out there but i continue to be like that i did start livramento so i got his six points which were great i left ben white on the bench unfortunately that was a six pointer loss there but my three at the back did okay in midfield, I had Rafinha, like almost everybody, I guess, nine-pointer there. Salah captained for 10 points, like 
everyone on a scale that we haven't seen outside of double game weeks, actually, about 200% EO, which was shocking. So at least I didn't, that didn't matter, basically. The captaincy doesn't matter right now, and it's lovely. Uh, I had Mane, who I kept. I didn't bother making any transfers. So his seven-pointer was welcome. Wish it could have been more, but seven points, very much welcome. And I had Saka as well, who got six points, which is not as much as ESR. It's three points less. But at the same time, it was still uh, novel returns in my side. My underwhelming forward line continues to underwhelm. Uh, Tony, two points, boring. Antonio, two points, boring. And Jesus, two points, yet again, unlucky. Uh, Jesus, this time with, uh, was it one chalked off? And he kind of had all the opportunities there. You know, the week before he'd had his shot and goal that hit off Foden and became a Foden goal. And so he only just does an assist. I feel like actually hilariously, I think last week I was quite negative about the Jesus pick. But now I'm starting to think that he's actually a perfectly fine pick in that Man City team. And, you know, it's coming. And so all of a sudden, I'm actually not all that keen to sell him, uh, which is kind of funny to me. I was just so fed up with so much of my squad last week. And now I'm looking at Saka, Mane and Jesus and being like, do you know what? They're okay. It's amazing what recency bias can do, isn't it? Yeah, um, on the bench, Cody two points, Alan two points, and the aforementioned White six pointer. So I I feel like I played that okay. It's kind of interesting now because like the, you know the people that are cutting hard against me, it's you know Ronaldo was effectively the most painful player for me, three points against me ish. Chilwell two points against me, and then it's Ben Rama, uh, James, and Jimenez kind of were all worth about a, you know a point point and a half against me. So I can kind of see where you know, the problems are coming. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I've actually got an okay squad coming together. And I now have two free transfers because I think last week I was talking about potentially doing all sorts of minus eights and things. I just held off against it and just stayed the path for another week and was, I guess, largely rewarded. I didn't have any sense of you know what could have been this game week, which was lovely. You? Yeah, I did the same. Um, we were talking about all kinds of mad moves, weren't we? And in the end, I, I did nothing. Maybe because I just couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and obviously, in retrospect, for, for, the, for the benefit of hindsight, there were a couple of moves I could have done. But I mean, I wouldn't know that going into the game week. So, I mean, I I think I ended up with 51, actually. Because then we started off from the same kind of start point. Um, we're basically going to be fairly close. I think that in terms of rank, I think maybe just you know, 20, 30k off each other just because of that one point which separates us. But I mean, this week was an interesting one. Um, my main differentials uh, were Guaitar in goal. Of all people, yes, Guaitar himself. He actually kept a clean sheet. He did. It's Man City, no less. Amazing. Seven points. But you know what? He was on 10 and then decided to get yellow card for time wasting in the 85th minute. What a W. Uh, in in defence, um, it was a bit of a horror show. Uh, Trent Cangelo, Aspilicueta, um, my wing back. Yeah, that, that didn't work out because he didn't play. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm getting Cody off the bench tonight for a three pointer. Christensen did get a clean sheet. Fair enough. That's kind of what I've got him in there for. Um, in midfield, it was a bit of a, a bit more successful. Havertz got fouled for a penalty. Um, so yeah, ten goals scored, one return from Havertz over the last two game weeks. Not even a real assist. Nice one, lad. Um, Kai um, was also joined getting assists uh, by Salah, uh, the captain, and Ben Rama, um, who got one of those kind of shithouse assists we see every now and again, kind of passing it sideways for, for another player who buries it. Um, and Rafinha, of course. And up front, similar travails to Anthony, to be honest. Antonio and Vardy, both blanking. Uh, Vardy, especially, I think that's one really good chance. And I think he probably should have scored that, that header. Um, he really should have done that. Um, I did go pretty deep um, in terms of the bench this week because um, Mbwemo didn't play either. I did bench him because I thought it, 
It was 50-50 whether he played that game, didn't play at all. So I did go Cody deep. Um, I still got Dennis on my bench for anyone who cares. Uh, but yeah, 51 points, kind of a similar sort of progress to Anthony, basically. Not pulling up any trees, but nonetheless, kind of, it's glad, I'm glad to just kind of be seeing green. But we'll talk about this later on, what happens after this. Right. Those objectives. Anything particular to comment on this week, Anthony? I'm sure there wasn't too much um, going on with, with regards to these. No, there wasn't. I, I captained very much with the majority, and so that wasn't uh, any particular problem for me. I didn't really have any elite players that I would have felt like I should transfer out, and so um, because I barely have any in the team anymore. I guess it's Mane and Salah, the two, and you know, they've both, well, Mane has a state of execution, and Salah ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Timing, I, I did do my transfers on Saturday morning, but it was at like seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So I don't kind of consider that, you know, late, close to the deadline. And that like, I felt like I was, I made the transfers long before the deadline on Saturday and put the phone away and then got on an airplane and forgot about it. So with that in mind, I don't consider that a breach. And then I didn't take any, didn't make any transfers. So I didn't take any hits. So I haven't increased my hit total for the season. Yep. And quickly and obviously for me, captain, yeah, went, went with Salah, um, who was the, the top algo and didn't make any transfers. So the majority of my objectives are kind of uh, out, knocked out this week. Um, I'm sure maybe next week these will be bothered again, but this week it definitely has not happened. Moving on to Middle League quickly, um, we've actually got a new leader. Um, again, it's Omar Crutchley with Turk Turkleton United. Yes, uh, a fellow uh, Scrubs fan. Love it. I hope he's a sensi. Uh, 69 uh, this week definitely kind of goes towards that suspicion that he is a bit of a sensi. I like that a lot. Up from 11th to 1st, uh, Omar. He's been followed very closely by Ryan Quinn, uh, no scout, no glory, the erstwhile leader for many weeks uh, before recently. Um, he got 58 points this week. Um, he's up to 7-3-8. In third, it's Dean Simmons up from 7th. Um, 60 points for him this week. And he's followed very, very closely by Robert Bob, 58 minus 4. Just the drop from third to fourth. In fifth up from 12th, it's Mohamed Arafa with 61. He's followed very closely by Daniel Minder on 67, a steadfast FC. And in joint seventh, we've got three managers, Robert Paul, Dan Byram and Taj F, uh, all scoring in kind of the mid-60s this week. And I think that's the kind of score that are going to get you anywhere, really, looking at how this game week is kind of uh, shaken out. And finally, in 10th, uh, Worldwide Fantasy Club, 54 they got, so 729 points for them. Takes them drop from 8th to 10th. So, well done, everybody. So, yeah, 60s is what I wanted to get. Early 50s seems to be where I've ended up. So, yeah, one of those sorts of weeks. Let's move on to the market force, Anthony. What's been going on as a response to how that game week uh, happens? It's quite predictable, to be honest, I think, where these transfers are going. The most transferred in player by a distance is Reese James. He's 5.7 million now, and he's been transferred in by just over 380k managers already, which is obviously a bit of a response to a haul at the weekend and, I guess, continues showings anytime he basically has been on the pitch um, I think it's he has a double figure hold every time he started so far this season which is a truly ludicrous uh, statistic to have and so it's kind of even if he is a bit of a rotation headache he seems to make up for it in terms of just the returns he's getting in that Conte or in that system under Tuchel to date Conte is clearly on my mind <laughs> then uh, looking at the rest of those it's uh, the second most transfer in it's Emil Smith-Rowe 
about 270k transfers in, so about 110-ish k less transfers in than Reese James. But I guess it's again, it's it's consecutive returns and just constantly looking good on the eye. Um, that's you know firing him up there, but also that 5.6 price tag for a midfielder. He's a really handy enabler and kind of fits so many of the kind of transfers that people might be trying to make to try to structure their teams differently. Uh, he's actually followed up by another midfielder who I guess shares an awful lot of the traits that he has um, in terms of recent returns and a low price tag. Indeed, the same price tag, 5.6. That's Connor Gallagher at Crystal Palace, who with a hole against Man City of all teams seems to be kind of proving himself to a player who's just such a handy one to have on your side and who has very good fixtures to come as well, which kind of just makes him particularly appealing. And hilariously, the fourth most transferred in player is Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, which I don't think anyone could have seen coming um, at the start of this season. And certainly even when Ramsdale signed, no one would have saw that coming. But 115k-ish transfers in, he's 4.7 million. And he's going really, really well, actually, on a points per game or points per appearance basis. He's flying and he's doing really favourably. The same could be actually said for Gabriel, who is a popular transfer in, but not anywhere near as popular as that. There's a smattering of players then with, you know, 50, 40k transfers in, the likes of Phil Foden, the likes of Ronaldo, the likes of Wang, and Chilwell is kind of 80-ish. K transfers in and so does Libramento but I think really all of the uh, transfers in are centering around the same people those are being funded by a real smattering of transfers out but it's really Chelsea players who are being transferred out for other types of Chelsea players yes. so it's and Marcus Alonso, who's the most transferred out player, 117k-ish transfers out. Kovacic is the second most transferred out player. Hilariously, um, he was in teams to start with. Uh, 110k transfers out for him. And the third most transferred out player is Ismail Sar, followed by Mason Mount and Cesar Azpilicueta. And you know, Lukaku is the most transferred out forward. So it's really just kind of a lot of activity to do with Chelsea players as people just try to figure out and predict the future by looking to what happened the week before with Chelsea players. Yeah, yeah. I think after you have a week which is kind of um, a bit underwhelming, which to be fair, this week was. I mean, we both got fairly healthy green arrows from getting fifty points. <laughs> kind of says it all, really. Um, you're going to get kind of just a rush to the individuals who did some points, um, but it does look like a lot of these moves are very kind of temporary um, in in a lot of ways, or at least kind of framed by the week that um, they kind of took place in. Uh, I like the fact, for example, that Chilworld's risen already, but could play tomorrow night. We've got no certainty over whether he or Alonso, who played versus Burnley last year, uh, will be playing that next game. So yeah, um, very, very um, interesting to see. Um, I think it's just one of those where, yeah, this week's market force is very much a reflection of the week that we've seen rather than it being a reflection of kind of upcoming fixtures. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to look at the kind of the main topic this week, which is kind of one that we were looking at doing a couple of weeks ago before Anthony was unfortunately absent for that one week. And that is what will this season's 200 Club look like? I think the 200 Club is something which is blindingly obvious when I thought of it um, not very long ago. Um, but it's something that wasn't really looked at before we looked at it. And it's something that I've been keeping tabs on for a while when it came to Tasman theory, because there's a lot of interlock, obviously, between the two of them. Uh, today, our focus is really just about that 200 club. And I guess, by extension, a reflection on the top 10 players in FPL over the last few seasons. And to see, as Anthony said in um, the preamble, if there's anything we can learn from that, anything we can project from the learnings of the past. Um, so in terms of a number, you know, why are we looking at it after 10 game weeks? But real life managers, don't they, Anthony, say, you judge me after 10 games? So I guess, you know, we're joining in with that spirit and we're looking at the nature of the season at this juncture. And we'll come on to historic stuff shortly, but I think it's just worth kind of reflecting on the state of play right now. And I think that this will be kind of exacerbated by the data that I'll show you or talk to you about. But 
from the off, um, this season, um, as you probably all would guess, uh, Mo Salah has just been dominating absolutely everything. Um, and it's quite something, isn't it, Abney, the gap between Mo Salah and, and the rest of the chasing pack. I mean, it's not even a chase, is it? It's kind of a procession. Honestly, Tom, it's frankly quite ludicrous. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that there was something up with the data or that there was something really going on if you were just presented with these numbers. Certainly, if these numbers were presented to us in pre-season, we'd have thought there was something really, really odd after happening. Salah is on 112 points. Second is Mikel Antonio with 59 Vardy 58, Mane 57, a bunch of 56s, 55s, 53s, 52s, 51s. It's a massive difference between Salah and the rest of the chasing pack who are just on, you know, somewhere in the 50s effectively. So to be a little bit comprehensive about that, who are those others in the chasing pack? It's Antonio Vardy, Mane, Reese James, Son, Benrama, Cancelo, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Rudiger, Mendy. And Conor Gallagher, who I think is of all the names in there, the least expected of all of them. Uh, it's it's genuine. If you if you that actually, to be honest, maybe that's the thing that would really stood out to you if, if this was shown to you in preseason. You'd be like Gallagher. Is there some guy Gallagher who we'd never heard of before? Because you definitely wouldn't have thought it was Conor Gallagher. What's interesting about this, I think, and maybe just to reflect on this a little bit further, is that in order to be in the two hundred club, you need to get two hundred points. And to get two hundred points, if you were to break that down onto an average, it would be five point two five points per game week. Now, the thing is that in all reality, to be a 200 club member, you probably won't play all 38 games in the season. That's a kind of a thing that usually happens for goalkeepers, centre-backs and James Ward-Prowse, who won't even do that himself this year. So if you look at Bruno, Kane, Salah and Son, who were the only ones to actually get into the 200 club last season, which was a pretty low number of players, really, uh, they averaged all at least six points per appearance last season. That's per appearance, not per game week, per appearance. Seven players have actually managed to keep this average so far, but three of those uh, started just six times. And so they kind of seem like players who, maybe because of rotation and things, seem destined to fall short of the 200 club by dint of just not playing enough. Phil Foden, Marcus Alonso, and Trevor Chalaba. The other four are Salah, Antonio, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Homin Son. And so it's quite interesting. I think that tees us up nicely with regard to this kind of historic review that Tom's going to do, which I think allows us to look back at who has been doing well 10 game weeks into the season and maybe allow us to figure out which of the players that are doing well so far are those who we can project to do well later on in the season and who we should be thinking, no matter what, are the players that we need to keep as a fixture in our squads as long as they're fit. Yeah, nice setup. I think it's like 12 players who have got between 50 and 59 points, but the chasm between Antonio and Salah is just, as we said, otherworldly, and it's something that we'll be speaking about just a bit. But yeah, that kind of historical look over what happened also i did in talisman theory over the summer my headline really is that last year we had four members of the 200 club as anthony mentioned they were bruno kane salah and son and this was a huge step back from previous seasons where we would had eight players in the 200 club in a row the impact of that we've discussed ad nauseam but the constriction of choice is probably the key impact the key upshot of what we saw back even further in 2017-18 there are only three players in the 200 club salah sterling and kdb uh, but then right back in 2016-17 there were six again and th- that's when we kind of start to reach into the annals of time that's when we have like names like sanchez deli ali remember him he used to be good uh, kane hazar uh, Lukaku, and ericsson all in the 200 club and um, what i'm going to do for this particular pod is i'm going to just focus on the last three years just to kind of remove a bit of kind of historical data from it and also just to keep things quite kind of um processable i suppose if i start kind of speaking about data from five years ago how relevant is that can we really remember it probably not unless you have a computer memory 
And obviously, yes, I'm aware these are all very small sample sizes. I'm not inferring causation. I'm going to imply some correlation, but I'm doing this as a fun exercise in FPL. I'm not trying to prove Fermat's theorem or anything like that. But over the last three years, basically, as Anthony mentioned, what I did um, was I looked at the season top 10 players and looked at how they're doing in game week 10. So I guess last year you did have, and it's not going to translate too well in audio, I'll do my best to describe it as I possibly can. Um, But last year you had Bruno Kane, Salah, Son, BM200 Club, and Bamford, Vardy, Emmy Martinez, Mane, Rashford and Dallas, um, who are all in the top 10 in terms of how it kind of ended up. And last season, at game week 10, Son was actually the leader at this point. He eventually became fourth. He was followed by Kane, who stayed there. He actually finished second as well. Then Bruno was in third in game week 10 last year. He actually high scored. And Salah was fourth. He came third overall. So last season, the top four players by game week 10 stayed in the top four for the rest of the year. Also in fifth and sixth, Bamford and Vardy, by the end of the season, were fifth and sixth. Um, but they're also in that top 10 come game week 10. In 2019-20, it was a similar tale, actually. So you still had eight people in the 200 club, right? Um, but KDB, Salah, Mane and Vardy were in the top four in game week 10. And they were, they were all in the top five come the end of the season. And finally, as well, in 2018-19, Hazard and Salah were both in the top three come game week 10. And Mane stayed fourth the whole season. I guess the takeaway um, from looking at all the data is that basically the top four or five players seem to get there very early season after season. You do get players in the rest of the top 10 who emerged later. E.g. Dallas last year, he was 36th or something, nowhere basically this time last year and finished 10th overall. Martial in 2019-20, I think he had like 28 points below 100th and finished on 200 points. You'll get players who fall out as well, like sort of Zuma, Tamer Abraham, Wilson Fraser have graced top 10 in past years. But I think it's really striking, isn't it, Anthony, how many players are in the top 10 by game week 10 and stay there in the past at least that has been pretty interesting we'll come on to the comparison of this year because this year i think is a little bit different but i guess half of the top 10 historically has been fixed and half not for grabs hasn't it yeah it's really interesting actually if you're having a good season at this point it seems from this data you're going to stay having a good season it doesn't stop other people having seasons that equal yours in the end But at the same time, it seems like players that are playing well now or have got points now, which isn't necessarily the same thing, tend to be the ones that are there at the end of the season. And so I guess it, if anything, shows, based at least on historical data, what we're looking at right now in terms of the 200 club should be helpful or more helpful than even we might have thought when it comes to projecting further down the line who are going to be the 200 club members towards the end of the season. I think maybe just to like break down into the more kind of obvious observations that maybe need to be made. Usually players that are in the 200 club are players with two consistent point streams for midfielders, blindingly obviously that's goals and assists. For defenders, that tends to be clean sheets and assists. So the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson, who've been in there in previous seasons, you know, Robertson, when he was in the 200 club, he had no goals, but he had 12 assists and obviously had you know a clean sheet nearly every other game. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, when, when he got into the 200 club, he had 15 assists. He did have four goals too, but it was the 15 assists and the clean sheets that really powered him to glory. For forwards, it is a tad more complex. And so we kind of see, you know, there's a real smattering of forwards who've made it into the 200 club in the three years that you've presented, Tom. So you've got Harry Kane in there, you've got Marshall, you've got Vardy, you've also then got uh, Aubameyang. Two years, 205 points in a row, Aubameyang. He used to be cool, and then Talisman Theory points them out as being cool, and he became uncool. 
Yeah, and interestingly, in both of those seasons, he got 22 goals as well and yielded kind of 37 and 32 bonus points across those years. So what it kind of what you see with the strikers when you look into them a little bit more is you need kind of mid-20s for goal. You need to supplement that with an assist every few games, like seven or eight of them, an incidental number effectively. But it's the bonus points, which are, of course, driven by goals for forwards, tend to like really power players towards the high results. So for example, Vardy last season didn't make the 200 club, but he, he had what looked like a much more rounded season with 50 goals and 14 assists whereas he made the 200 club twice in 1920 and as well way back when they won the title in 1516 mm. in years where he scored mid-20s for goals and got seven or eight assists but got over 30 bonus points so kind of just 200 club members if they're being driven there right now by you know what seems like an inconsistent point stream we might not expect them to keep going I think that's something to keep an eye on as we look to the players that are in there right now I think that's definitely true I think that Basically, if you think about it as being, all right, half the players in the top 10 in the past have pretty much stayed there and they were all, I don't think it's a stretch to say the guys who did make it and stay there were all kind of, you know, the likely suspects. And you had a few come through, you know, the likes of Dallas, I've mentioned, the likes of Martial that I've mentioned, the likes of perhaps Van Dyke a few seasons ago, basically by dint of clean sheets uh, coming through. Um, but I think this season is where things get really interesting because, I mean, you've got to ask the question, how might the season evolve? And as Anthony kind of remarked earlier, it's fascinating how far ahead Salah actually is. Like, I think we can nominate a few players like Vardy, Mane, Son, who are candidates to stay in that top 10. But like Ben Rama and as uh, Anthony mentioned, Gallagher here shows us, I think the season may be far less easy to call in terms of its character than previous seasons due to that choke points I mentioned earlier in the 50s. So 12 players other than Salah are separated by just nine points uh, in the upper echelon so far of point scoring. And I think that has a few impacts, uh, which I think might be worth kind of meditating on here for just a second. The first one, I think, is that bandwagons will truly be huge. At the moment, there's been one bandwagon. That bandwagon has been Mo Salah. We've all been riding it. So there's, it's been in a kind of, a, a kind of an underlying existential bandwagon. We've not really kind of been cognizant of it a lot of the time, apart from when we were saying, all right, let's capture him the whole time. But getting on a player analogous to a Ramsey Ings or a Lingard from seasons past when they start showing modicum of form will be so important. People have been trying to do this. So last game week, for example, the rush to get on Foden. Rhys James, perhaps, could be the one, um, you know, he's currently the fifth highest scoring player. Could it be his season? We don't know. As Anthony mentioned, you know, he's, he's actually only completed three games. He's got double digits in all of them. So could it be variants? Could it be even those sort of things? Obviously, the dominance of Salah's been emphasised. And also, I think this reinforces the fact that that top 10, as you've mentioned, contains like Savardi and Mane and Son as well. And it was just a reminder of how quality players continue to produce the goods year in, year out. And I really like your Malakul, Anthony, of getting him in at Mane. And I thought of you in that goal. And I was like, oh, damn it, he's done it again. But yeah, I, I think just this year, bandwagons, they're always huge. But at this juncture in time, jumping on that player who does start to really go stellar. Like there's a huge vacuum of space underneath Salah. Someone is going to get in that vacuum of space and being able to detect that early. I'm not saying I will. Being able to detect that early may make or break a season. I mean, how do you think the season may evolve? I mean, I've given you a start at the 10 there. 
Yeah, I, I think I'd actually build on what you said, Tom, and I think I'll maybe turn us towards um, a very FPL-centric view. And I think what this shows is that the top 10K so far, okay, they have to, they've done well and all, but based on how you're saying, how you're, what you're pointing out to us, Tom, that really this is all about, did you captain Salah pretty much every game week this season? And did you have, you know, your Chelsea defenders, at least, you know, all there's quite a lot of Chelsea defenders in this uh, top group. You've Rudiger in there, you've Reese James in there. And there's quite a few of the other Chelsea defenders are kind of just on the outskirts of it. They haven't quite made that top rank, but they're you know in and around 40 something points, which means that they're you know almost in there too. Yeah. And I think what that kind of shows you is that like if you got yourself into the top 10k or in the top 100k even, or just have a high rank so far, there weren't that many tough decisions that had to be made after setting up your team well. You know, in game week one, there was a little bit of moving around your midfielders. Okay, you got the Ben Rama points early when they were coming and got rid of them. Maybe you've moved towards getting someone else who's done particularly well in the last few game weeks in ESR, a Gallagher, whoever that may be. But by and large, so many of the points have just come from the same players that if people had them in their squads, they rose so far. And so I think maybe from an FPL perspective, I think it just shows that there is serious opportunity to get up the ranks. And even this isn't something that really relates to the 200 club, but the overall ranks are still quite bunched right now. You know, no one is actually too far ahead of you. Like even if you're, you know, 600 something K obscurity like us, even number one rank in the overall scheme of things doesn't feel that far away, 150-ish points ahead. It's not that far. And so it just shows you, yes, there is so much to come if you can just manage to predict who's going to come good. So it's worth noting, for example, mm-hmm. how Spurs, Liverpool and City, and to a lesser extent, Arsenal, all have the better quarter of the first half of the season ahead of them in terms of fixtures. So someone like Son, who's already doing well here, but isn't doing that well in the overall scheme of things, has a real chance to assert himself as a 200 yeah, lover for really bumpy, yeah. a second season. And of course, under new management as well, there's a real chance for a City player to stand out. Like we're looking at this right now and it's, it's, it's a real kind of, it's an odd one to have in there. It's just Cancelo. Yeah. You'd yes. expect there to be more than that your man is, your TAAs, um, you'd expect to do well too. And just before I let you in, Tom, one really interesting point to me. When you look at things on a points per game or points per appearance basis, Arsenal defenders are actually right up there as long as you take out the ones who've played at the early season. So basically, if you look at Ramsdale and Gabriel, who both missed you know, a couple to four games at the start of the season, on a points per game basis, they are scoring as well as any player who's been in the 200 club on a points per appearance basis. So it just shows that there is kind of a sneaking kind of change happening already ahead of the fixture change for those players. There's a lot of opportunity, um, which I really like. There's definitely a cause to be optimistic. We're framing that by the fact that we are not doing as well as we'd like to be doing, Anthony. Maybe it comes from that to some extent. And um, But I think it's interesting to see that and characterise the typology of past seasons as well around kind of now. Because last year, and we, we did call it the you snooze, you lose season. The template was there early, obdurate. And it was really hard to break out where you were a lot of the time. Like last year, best against the house absolutely pummeled you. Whereas, you know, 2018, 19, 2019, 20, with those eight people in the 200 club there was always the space to make things happen always the space to uh, change your rank dramatically for example martial in project restart getting on him early i remember that late riser captain at sheffield united for example and his rank just jumped massively and likes of antonio as well really got turned on during that time frame remember people who captained him um, against norwich like there's always going to be in that sort of season some semblance of opportunity 
This season, though, I feel like it's just different. I, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work out yet. I think maybe obviously we're using the lens of hindsight to look back at the last kind of three seasons and think, yeah, this one's like this, whereas those two are like that. This one at the moment, though, is quite hard to kind of characterise. Like, I can't tell whether it is going to be a you snooze, you lose. Because of the amount of players who are all bunched up, I'm not too sure that that's going to be the one. I'm hoping that we're, what we're going to see is a few options emerge to bring it back to that kind of, you know, six to eight kind of 200 club level members. Just because that kind of furthers opportunity, it means that the game is a lot more exciting, a lot more interesting, that you can take alternative options and you can still fare well. Whereas last season, I felt like that was like the apex of being just corralled into having a single team. And it was just the case of basically chasing the template the whole year. Yeah, it's 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 hard to argue with that. And I feel like so far this season there hasn't it hasn't necessarily felt like there's been a template, but the points have been driven by a certain you know, such a small set of players that it's meant that effect you know, effectively from a rank perspective to do well, you just had this certain bunch and sure you could, you know, plus or minus your rank by five hundred K or so by getting, <laughs> you know, the next the next three or four players, but overall it's not like massively different. Whereas yeah, as you say last year, Tom, it was just like get your template in place and just keep on riding yeah. that uh, horse all the way to ten. Uh, it, the one thing about this year is that maybe what makes a difference is because so much of the 200 club is about players playing for elite teams just by dent of the fact that just you know you need to have a team that's playing well to really supply a player to get the goals or the assists or the clean sheets to power someone to the 200 club and the points being so so spread out at city like they're even less without a focal point than they have been in previous years over this 10 game week season we've had so far chelsea likewise you could say the same it's actually ridiculous it's just like wing backs how sustainable is that Liverpool (laughs) normal service continues and then you've got at Man United you've still got you know the kind of the game playing out between Ronaldo and the rest of the team there that just hasn't worked itself out and then beyond that it's there's just it seems like there's an awful lot left to gel obviously you have to point to Spurs as well Kane who's been such a reliable 200 clubber isn't there and then you've also got Son who's doing well but not as well maybe as we might have anticipated but now there's a real chance for change and so again underlining the possibilities and opportunities that we're talking about. Cool. I mean, let's uh, just, I guess, indulge in some future gazing, uh, some nominees other than Salah, obviously, for that 200 club. I mean, I guess we're hunting for players with that 200 point potential, as you said, that getting that kind of threshold of points per game is paramount. Even getting to the top 10, which is kind of a, a byproduct of looking at this, you do need to kind of hit a certain threshold of points per game. I think I'm going to be contrarian, actually, and just start off by saying who I don't think is going to make a 200 club this year. I don't think a City player will do it. But you mentioned this earlier, Anthony, and I'm not too sure that it's going to happen this time round. It could be total recency bias. We always see City players, for example, flying high in talisman theory in terms of the individual attacking points scored. But in past years, we've seen the likes of you know, KDB being high up there. Uh, Raheem Sterling actually is a tw- double uh, 200 club member. And it's Sergio Aguero. I don't know if at the moment there is that kind of talismanic focal point to the team, which is going to see a City player end up in that 200 club. Like, I think there's definitely potential for the likes of Foden, for example, to be elevated to that level. Will it happen though? Will they reach 200 club? They could reach the top 10. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Foden, I think it's got it in him, or even a Jesus to find his way, sneak his way to the top 10. But are they going to reach 200 club? I just don't think so. Interesting. I actually think Joao Cancelo is a pretty decent shout 
for it. Now, there's, oh, really? the whole, there's the whole entire thing that this is predicated on him on continuing to play as much as he has, but he has. You know, he's played the full 90 or at least 60 plus every game week. You know, this game week, so uh, where he was subbed with 13 minutes to go was the smallest amount of game time he's had in any game so far this year. It's all 90s and then 177 minute. So right now, watch him get rotated. We have nothing to suggest that we should be getting too concerned about his minutes, only history with Pep Roulette. But what Cancelo offers you as, op- as an option uh, for Pep, for example, is he can be on the right or the left and he has so much attacking thrust, which in spite of the, you know, all the talent in this City team, they don't actually have enough of against defensive blocks. That's why Grealish was brought in. Grealish hasn't really been performing as well as they would have hoped to so far. Cancelo has been. And so I think that's why he's going to continue to get game time at the cost of you know quite a few of the other options that uh, City have. They seem to be able to find a way in the Champions League against teams that open up and have confidence and who are, you know, by dint of being in the Champions League, you know, national champions in their different leagues. And so tend to be just that little bit more open and less defensive against City. Whereas in the Premier League, you've just got so many teams that just park the bus. And so the likes of Cancelo get given a chance. So I think he's a pretty good chat mm. shout for it. I also feel that it's no coincidence that Foden is getting more game time now. I just think it's you know, become kind of clear that to Pep that, City need to get a little bit more creativity in that final third and with that in mind I feel like he has a pretty decent shout of getting there the problem for me with Foden is that if City are running away with the league I'd be surprised if that happens but if they were then I feel like he's just going to be safe for the Champions League and the problem is, is if City are even you know, content that they're going to get the top four then I think I could you could say the same thing that Foden will be safe for the Champions League because that clearly has to be the priority for that team so far this year. So no City player, I could agree with that, Tom. But at the mm. same time, I think I would nominate those two as being 180 plus pointers, and it just takes a little, you know, two game weeks to get them in there. I feel like the the top ten nominees for me, 200 club, I think is is that kind of extra stretch. It is, um, but top ten. I can totally see it happening. I mean, you mentioned Son. I, I think that he, I mean, Nick was obviously waxing lyrical about him last year to all and sundry. And uh, obviously he was right as usual. I think that he definitely, as you mentioned earlier on, is a, is a candidate to get there. The other one that I just want to mention quickly is Bruno Fernandes. And I, you know, this time last year, in fact, most of last year, most you'll be saying, you know, why is he not in the conversation at all? Like it just kind of speaks to the fact that things are so transitory in FPL land. And he's not currently in the top 10, Bruno Fernandes. And he's just outside it. Um, but they've got a really nice one man nights coming up, obviously. And um, getting game with 15 onwards all the way through to mid-January. And I think that he could well find his way back to popularity, especially with those midweek games coming up in kind of November, December sort of time. Will Ronaldo play all of those? No, he won't. Will Bruno play all of those? Yes, he will. I mean, and you mentioned Grealish earlier on. Bruno's actually got more key passes than any other player. I think he's got 11 more than Grealish at the moment this season. And so I think that Bruno would be one that I'd nominate, which again, shouldn't be groundbreaking at all but I think he's just a player everyone's forgotten about because he's so far outside of the FPL picture but he's a player that I've got a, a big eye on I like the fact he's down to 11.7 I mean I guess Ronaldo potentially could make it if he does kind of score over 25 I think he needs to get because he's not going to get those assists is he let's be fair but I guess you know looking at the price list here maybe it's symbolic of how unsurety reigns this season but not much jumps out at me quite yet um, in terms of who else could make it, apart from, you know, the captain obvious is like Salah, Mane, Vardy, Som, maybe Kane if there's a late resurgence. Like, I'm really interested to see how that all turns out. And well, obviously I'll still be here, but I'm really interested as well in seeing kind of 
what sort of player makes it break for the kind of the top 10 or at least kind of makes it break for that kind of vacuum below Salah? Because, I mean, just to bring it back to the main question, what will the season's 200 club look like? I think that it will be a different one this year. I think maybe we'll see more individuals than before, hopefully entering it. I'm hoping it doesn't basically launch into what last year was, where you kind of have two or three players who are really elite. You know, that vacuum on New Salah gets taken up by a couple of players like Son, like Vardy, uh, like Mane. And suddenly kind of that's, that's kind of the season over uh, when it comes to flexibility. I really hope it doesn't go that way. I really hope that there are players who um, are able to kind of exploit the space and come through. But I think the key is what I kind of mentioned earlier about bandwagons identifying those players who are going to come through sticking with them season long could well pay dividends as it does every year hopefully it won't happen but if the season does kind of generate into a a similar sort of ploy as last season you will at least be able to be insulated from kind of negativity and you'll have that template ready to go what do you reckon I'm going to name names Um, that's how I'll uh, round out my particular contribution to this section of the show I will say Son Uh, I think he has a pretty good chance of getting there the fact that he's almost on track for it so far into this what has been chronic season for Spurs makes me optimistic that you know it's just one he's often you know gone on these like superb runs where he gets you know double figure holds for four game weeks in a row and that's the sort of form you know that you know 50 points in a few weeks is the sort of thing that kind of propels a player to the 200 club obviously because it kind of gets you a quarter of the way there in a short time and so I feel like he's just he hasn't had that yet and he's still almost there so far Bruno Fernandes I think is a great shout for it Ronaldo won't make it because United who should as things are going so far make the knockout stage of the Champions League will then be protecting Ronaldo even if they get just one you know get through the round of 16 that's four games. I think that rules him out of uh, quite a few games in the league. And I think that's enough to knock him out of the 200 club race already, just given how little points he has at this point in the season. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold will make it there because I just feel like Liverpool's defence is tighter and will continue to be that way. And that'll be enough, given he's going to get the assists with Salah and you know a smattering of others scoring well for Liverpool so far this year. Man is in with a shout, but I, I'm not willing to jump on that yet because I feel like I'm just biased in my position. <laughs> I do think Cancelo's a decent shout for it. I wouldn't bet my house on it. Lukaku, I think, is someone who will make it into the 200 club. I just don't see how Chelsea and Tuchel especially couldn't get him going in the system that they have. I just it just feel like it's a matter of time. Hasn't worked yet. I believe it will work. I do think a Chelsea defender will make it. Now, you know, the golden question is picking out which one because so many of them are doing quite well right now. I think the hilariously the, the answer might be in the middle and it might just be Rudiger uh, who just gets there by dent of just continuing to play, picking up the odd goal and getting bonus yeah. points along the way. And uh, you know, there might be quite a few Chelsea players on 170, 180 points or Chelsea defenders specifically who don't quite get there because they just didn't play frequently enough. A yeah. few weeks ago, I would have said Aspiriqueta, but that just hasn't you know, transpired as we would have expected whatsoever. No. And Mikel Antonio, I think he'll do it. Ooh. Okay, spicy. I think Michel Antonio again will make the top 10. I think you'll have Chelsea players in and around the top 10. I just think X-Min's going to be a huge crutch um, for all of them, really. I, I, I don't think I can um, criticise any of that, really. It's so hard to argue with three quarters of the season left to go. Oh, absolutely. What, what, absolutely. what I will laugh at is that I had a look back at my notes that I made after game week three, which is when we really thought that premium was going to be a thing. And I think I, I had it directly in my notes. It seems like we're going to have so many 200 club members this year, or at least threatening it. And already, you know, the list is actually quite short. So yep. it just tells you again, the swings and roundabouts of FPL. Well, there we are, from um, Half the 200 club is probably going to be in place already by game week 10. The other half, 
still to come. There's still opportunity out there. Still time for optimism if you're not doing as well as you want to be doing. Or time for optimism to do even better if you are doing pretty well but want to find those different rules to push on. Right, let's take a break there. Move on to the correspondence and listener questions just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to get into the correspondence this week. And it's an interesting one, isn't it, Anthony? We're going to be looking over... Uh, one of the key points uh, in the meta at the moment, uh, not the Facebook new name, uh, but oh. the the meta of fancy football. Take it away. Yes, indeed. So this week's correspondence has come in from Ali Ash, who has frequently written into who got the assist at gmail.com for the correspondence section. It's great to have his email again. Correspondence section, of course, if you haven't been here or haven't been, if you've just been skipping past the bit where I start talking every week, it's the bit where people uh, can send in their long form questions, their addendums to previous pods, their opinions, their songs, their poetry, whatever it may be. And we answer it or respond to it, whatever that may be. In this case, Ollie said thus hi guys i hope that you're well and enjoying the football most in the know fantasy managers would have been saving their triple captaincy for when chelsea have a double game week at some point in the next few months however we are now presented with king mo salah on an absolutely plum run of form is there now a case to capitalize on this and triple captain salah very soon if so what fixtures the new fixture would you potentially go for many thanks ollie so my immediate response to this question was yeah it's probably onto something here because Salah has been just so good and so dependably good. And I think I especially have been burnt by triple captaincies not going well because I've saved them for, you know, this big game week that's going to be great that doesn't turn out to be great or this big double game week more precisely that I think should be good and that doesn't prove to be very good. And Salah in particular, you know, seems like a player who can who has shown and continues to show that he can bang very well in a particular any single game week and relatively predictably too, that, you know, we captain him in fixtures and tends to go right. And so I, I can kind of understand that. Uh, Tom, did you pick out any particular game weeks that you thought, or do you even agree with that thought at all? I can see why you're doing it. I guess you're tossing up between a sure thing in Salah in some ways versus the risk of putting on somebody who's got a double game in the future. And as Anthony said, I also share that sort of, apart from Salah himself a few years ago in that kind of Mane game week for a lot of people uh, where mm-hmm. Salah did all right and Mane didn't. Um, uh, the majority of the time it has been a bit sort of contentious when that triple captainship does go down. I guess there are two games that stand out for me at present. One is Newcastle home in game week 17, but that is a midweek fixture. And we've seen in the past that one or both of Mo and Mane are given rests in midweeks. Um, so that could be um, just like the tricky one to navigate. The last thing you want to do is be placing triple caps on a player um, who is a bit iffy. I know that game is a Thursday game and they play Saturday beforehand and they've got a Sunday game afterwards. So you may kind of be right there. But I guess kind of the one that I would be homing in on is that game before he goes off to AFCON, actually, on Boxing Day at Leeds at home in game week 19. I think that could be the one um, if you were looking to go for it. Um, I think that Newcastle, we don't know who the new boss is going to be at this moment in time. Maybe there will be kind of a a new new kind of setup. Maybe there will be sort of some sort of astute sort of plan in place for Newcastle that Steve Bruce could not have fathomed. Um, But I think that Leeds home on uh, game week 19 could be the one especially because I, I can't imagine Klotz being resting him for Egypt. Um, but yeah, of those two, I think, are probably the, the good enough fixtures. I mean, uh, Salah, as we've spoken about many times, has got, well, he and Liverpool have got a tranche of capstable fixtures basically the whole time, all the way until he goes away to AFCON and spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the pod. So um, I think those would be the times that I'd do it. It's just that I'm sure there will be a time as well 
when there will be a good-looking pair of fixtures arising in a double game week for another player. And I guess I just don't want the FOMO of having expended my TC on the Salah on one of these games. I guess as well that FOMO of having to spend your TC on Salah on one of those games when it's not worked out. <laughs> you know, like this game week, you could have got an assist on my on my triple captain, um, and then you're kind of trying to kind of maybe egregiously argue that it was worth it. I got a return, but. The reality is, if you get two bites of the cherry, we know how that looks. And I can see why you may be kind of thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, Gamble is always, did my single game week triple captain beat out the potential double game week triple captain that other people will have? Because the majority of people will be looking at double game week for the triple captaincy. I guess you want a hat trick in one game, don't you? Um, and is that going to happen um, in the Newcastle game? Is that going to happen in the Leeds game? It could do. Game week 26 at home to Norwich. That could be one uh, that uh, maybe all the indicators are pointing to. If you want a single game with captain of Salah, uh, I think I'll be probably still holding my triple captain. Um, but you know, having those nice, unique points in this period where Salah's supremacy as captain is going to be key and just getting kind of an, an extra kind of bonus. Um, if it does do well, you know, a goal, a goal and something like that, and getting a nice 12 points extra on everybody else it could be a nice way of doing it. And you can at least square that with yourself. I think a goal and assist is perfect for your triple captain. It's just kind of having that underlying, okay, they've got goal and assist, but they've also got two loads of appearance points that I find it hard to look past. Villa home. Game week 16 was actually the one that I'd identified. So the weekend before... Uh, uh, assuming Dean Smith is still in charge, right? Um, I, I don't kind of hold the same disbelief in uh, Dean Smith that others I have. But at the same time, I just kind of feel like it's just the stars are aligning that it's a good home fixture for Liverpool against a team who haven't been performing well so far, who up to now at least have shown form that show that they have a propensity to ship goals kind of en masse, uh, last week being a pretty good example of it. The thing about that fixture, and I think it's kind of it, it falls in with some of the points you were raising about the Newcastle one, is that there is a Champions League game before it, but it's on the Tuesday, and there isn't one coming after it, which would kind of have you concerned about rotation as well, because it's the last of the Champions League group games. You'd hope that Liverpool are in a position to maybe rotate a little bit for that game, or at least give Salah a bit of a rest. So, mm. with that in mind, coming for that Saturday, three p.m., you'd hope that he'd be in good condition. Didn't he play Mighty Land last year for no reason other than what Klopp said that he wanted to play? But it doesn't quite work with Salah, does it, in the same way it does for other players, just because he's got that ridiculous underlying fitness, natural fitness in football manager parlance. Maybe, maybe, Tom, but I kind of feel like Liverpool kind of paid the price for kind of players getting their way and playing in games when maybe they shouldn't have uh, last year and just had an awful lot of injury trouble and I think maybe this year they'll prioritise squad maintenance that little bit more maybe they won't maybe Salah will play both of them and he could still score braces in both of them and you know we we wouldn't really care then at the result of it just that was the game that I'd picked out I kind of feel like up until then whilst Liverpool do have a few good fixtures I just feel like the Champions League games just overcomplicate how confident you'd be in a single game with triple yeah, captain because yeah. you're, you're all in. I just want to address the one thing that Ali did raise about the potential Chelsea triple captaincy because we kind of brushed over that in the question. Basically, what that's about is that Chelsea versus Norwich is scheduled for the weekend that the FA Cup quarterfinals are. So if Chelsea reach the FA Cup quarterfinal, then that Chelsea-Norwich game is floating up in the air. And so that's then likely to go into a double game week. Any double game week that includes Chelsea playing Norwich is one where you're probably going to think about captaining a Chelsea player. And that's why the triple captaincy on Chelsea in that weekend would be pretty interesting. It also seems like 
32, 36 and 37 are game weeks where it's, you know, you expect that there will be a gap for the triple captaincy. And it just so happens that Chelsea have pretty decent fixtures in all of those game weeks that would be potentially joined by the Norwich game. So that would be Southampton, Wolves or Manchester United away 37. So it's like all of those are kind of ones where you could see why you might, you know. Yeah, they're they're all right, aren't they? I mean, any Norwich game in general is worthy of it. And if that is appended to any other game, you at least get those underlying appearance points and whatever else happens, like there's extra bonus on top of the initial sort of investment in there. This is it, exactly. So anyway, obviously I've not come up with that myself. I haven't been studying TV data. It's at Ben Krellen on Twitter for all your double game week needs. I just searched at Ben Krellen and Chelsea to uh, make sure that I had the most up-to-date info for that. And I suggest that you would do the same if you want to do further analysis or just want to learn about double game weeks in general. But for now, Ollie, I hope we have answered your question sufficiently. Basically, there's a chance and it could really work out for you. But the problem is that FOMO may put you off cap- triple captioning Salah in any single game week this side of Christmas. Ollie wrote in to who got the assist at gmail.com with his question. You too should do the same. Who got the assist at gmail.com? All one word with your thoughts, addendums, clarifications, comments, questions, songs, whatever it might be, we'll take it. Yeah, we haven't a song or a poem for a while. So um it's definitely worth doing for one of us to perform. I perform the last song, so Anthony's up next. Yeah. God, God, my internet's getting bad, Tom. Sorry about <laughs> Shane McGowan-style singing voice. That's what I heard. Right, let's move on to the listener questions this week. And um, yeah, we had a, a few really interesting ones. I think the first lot are actually on those Chelsea boys. Chelsea, brackets, City and Liverpool questions. Uh, there are quite a few on them. So Karam versus WhatsApp. Um, Karam was on a couple of weeks ago, at Karam Tizer on Twitter, if you want to follow him. Um, asked if Chilwell and James, Chains, can really keep this up. Um, he says, that, you know, they've scored 84 points in two game weeks, which is a bit silly. Can they continue to return at similar rates? Praz FPL, um, who I met um, at 24-7 during the summer, a really nice guy. And basically asked us to comment on the volatile nature of owning Chelsea City and another Liverpool West outside of Salah and Trent. He says that, you know, it's a bit weird that these are all teams that we've been investing in, but there's been no stability. And FPL Banger um, asked if Havertz owners, uh, like myself, sadly, should give him his third week or should we just jump off and forget about it all? Let's take that um, question from Karen first on uh, James, uh, as I've been so calling them, Chilwell and James. I mean, it's possible, isn't it? They like, can probably keep it up, but who knows of that Tushel Tombola? I've got my eye on one of them, but as friend of the pod, uh, Tom Echo Physio wrote, and he reminded me of this on Twitter, uh, Chilwell didn't play versus Burnley last year because uh, Tushel went with uh, Alonso because of his height in terms of defending set pieces, but he didn't have a Chalaba around last season at the same sort of time, so maybe you know, it's, it's a bit of a vexed question. I just don't know. There's so much time between now, Tuesday and Saturday. So trying to read the tea leaves um, of tomorrow's setup and trying to transpose that onto Saturday and try to make some sort of points around that is really difficult to do, actually, especially from Tushul's kind of legacy of swapping around his fullbacks, his legacy of being very, very similar to Pep Guardiola and being unpredictable. It makes it difficult to be making any assertions really surrounding the, the two of those. Yeah, I can't help but agree with that one, Tom. I think what I maybe would add to this is that with Reese James, like the fact of the matter is, is that you're talking about three massive game weeks and a bunch of appearance points. Like that's really what we're like. And I mean, single appearance points from not even like barely playing. So if something struck you as 
something that couldn't be maintained, that's probably right up there. And so a brilliant player, an attacking outlet, who has done really, really well when given a chance. But I think it says an awful lot that he's been fit for well, most of the season and hasn't really been given all too many chances. And so he's, he's clearly being kept for certain games. If we thought we knew that there was a run where James is going to play three or four games because of injuries, you'd obviously jump on it. But we don't have that. Chilwell, it does seem like a bit like last season where for a period Alonso was trusted by Tuchel and then suddenly dropped I think Chilwell now that he's fit and ready and has got over his trouble that affected him over the summer I feel like he is just relatively if not very nailed in that spot at left back which or left wing back which makes me think that he's the one to get of the two of those maybe I'll drag us on to Pras's question which is about the volatile nature of all yeah, the Chelsea yeah. City and Liverpool players like be outside of obviously the obvious ones with Chelsea players I think you just have to accept that there's a certain amount of risk with quite a few of them um, I, I've said before and I'll say it again I think Rudiger is a pretty consistent option there and he'll just continue to generate the points and he has indeed kept up with all of the Chelsea wing backs just by dint of playing every week that's really handy and it also means that you're not going like Alan or Cody deep into your benches frequently when you don't want to and that's pretty valuable to me uh, as far as I'm concerned just to make sure that I always get 11 out there City and Liverpool assets like there, there's obviously we say this every week about City players there's obviously so much talent there it's just a matter of figuring out which one's going to play I feel like Foden right now feels like a pretty good pick I feel like Cancelo as I said earlier is a pretty good pick too beyond that it's really hard to judge I do like having I do like having Jesus in my side right now but last week I didn't so you know, take what you will from that I just feel like he is getting the chances and he is getting the minutes which makes me quite confident in him and as well there isn't a compelling case for many other strikers right now which makes me like that I have him in my side but it's one of those don't buy don't sell things as it stands at Liverpool I just feel like you know a third option will become obvious to us outside of TAA and Salah it's just not there yet Mane obviously I have him in my side but I wouldn't say he's tell you he's an obvious option to have and as for Havertz which is FPL Banger's question I wouldn't have bought him to begin with I didn't really like the option I don't think you should give him a third week. Yeah, I mean, we can give him a third week just because I I probably got nothing better to do at this point. We'll look at my team in a little bit. Um, I, I guess there's always that kind of argument that you know you made that kind of move for the the holy grail of fits that Chelsea had. So I'm going to probably be going there and just kind of leaving him for Burnley. Tom Burnley, yeah. You see, it's very easy for me to say, oh yeah, go on, get rid of him." But like, imagine selling an attacking player before Burnley. In past years, you'd have been saying. Yeah, absolutely. So attack and play for Burnley. Um, and yeah, as I said earlier on, the Chelsea have scored 10 goals in the last two game weeks and Kai Havertz has had one assist. And that's not even a real assist. That's an FPL assist. Um, it's been pretty poor, to say the least. Should we probably give him that third game to some extent? But he is a low-owned player. So if we do move him on, it makes a lot of sense EO-wise to do so if you get that return from somebody else. So, for example, if you have no Brentford and you want, you kind of say, you're right, okay, I'm going to move on Havertz to Mbwemo, who I think will play this game week, then I, I can totally get behind that. I don't think it's a don't buy, don't sell. I think it, it genuinely is quite an open question about what to do with him. Um, I probably will give him this week, but come uh, Friday... Uh, you could see me um, sporting a Foden or something like that in that kind of spot. I think it's more about kind of thinking, all right, I've got two free transfers now. Where does that one free transfer go? How do I make it move going forward? I'll come back to this a little bit. Um, Just to pick up on Praz's question as well. I guess this links to the question we've got next too. Um, But yeah, it's certainly like a lotto every week, I think, with those kind of Chelsea defenders. Like we kind of brought them in thinking, yeah, that's money. 
for the, the next little while. And I kind of won that lotto pretty early. I had that Aspila Quest a 10 pointer, and then I got the double clean sheet versus Brentford. Since then, it's been a bit of a shit show because um, I've scored six points from the pair of them over the last two game weeks. So Christensen and uh, Aspilicueta I've had. But whereas Rhys James owners have uh, plundered 34 points in two game weeks and Chilwell owners have uh, plundered 20 in the last kind of two game weeks. So more lost points. It's just a bit annoying, isn't it, really? Uh, City-wise, I've held it with Cancelo alone the whole time. I resisted the Foden FOMO last week, but if I'd have rolled free transfer, so I hadn't bought habits and rolled it, I'd have bought Foden 1 million percent. And I think I, I agree with you. I think it's still a good pick. Last four games, just to note, they've got a higher SGC than the likes of West Ham, Palace and Wolves. And they've conceded five goals. Yeah, very small sample, of course. But yeah, I don't know. I'm very glad I didn't go for double up. I'm glad I didn't go with uh, your man Diaz. All in all, I'm glad it's kind of almost over uh, with these players. And I think kind of nicely links us into the next question, which is from FPL Elf. His weekly question. Focuses in on United and Spurs. And the link is, obviously, he says, you know, what consideration do we give to those players? Should we really be looking to sell assets from the likes of Chelsea and City to accommodate them? And I think it's interesting as well, because obviously we've got, you know, we've got Ollie Stays bounce. I don't know, the manager retention bounce uh, versus the new manager bounce uh, with whoever Spurs appoint as looking at Conte at this moment of time. What do you think about these guys, Anthony? I mean, would you be looking to sell on, if you've got double Chelsea defence, for example, like I have, would you be looking to kind of just think, all right, okay, let's move on and transition eventually to be buying in these sorts of players? Maybe not in the defence, but you know what I mean, like kind of moving the money around to kind of accommodate a few of the players from these teams. It's actually a really tough question because with United and Spurs, there is something very speculative about jumping on either of them. With whereas with Chelsea and City, you kind of feel like as long as your player plays, they should do well. Um, as for you know, most of the like you know the anchor players in your team, which is basically a byword for the defenders that you have from those uh, teams. Uh, United, it's impossible to know what is going to play out over the next few weeks for them. Uh, they obviously have quite good fixtures coming up again in uh, a short while. Uh, beyond this uh, Manchester derby, basically, there's um, you know a pretty good fixture on, but obviously it really swings upwards uh, from, what is it, game week 15 onwards, basically once they've gone through the Chelsea and Arsenal games. You've got a Watford game in between, which kind of is tempting, but not overly tempting, uh, just because of what it's sandwiched in between. Ronaldo, like could be a great player to have on your side when he has such low EO, but I'm not sure if he's the one you'd want to jump on. I think he just kills team structure at the moment. We've we've talked about how money has flowed out of forwards. I'm not sure if you want to pile money into an, a, a premium forward right now. It just kind of it seems like it would just disrupt your structure and cause you to have two free need to use two free transfers or to take a hit further down the line. But the thing with Spurs especially is that there is San in there um, who you can pick up relatively easily in a way that you just can't do with Bruno. And so we need to see how this 5-3-2 that United may or may not stick with does against teams that aren't as bad as Spurs were on Saturday. And once we've seen that, we can know what to do with United and with the United assets. And with Spurs, I, I do think there will be a new manager bounce much more predictably, quote unquote, than there will be with whatever happens to, with um, Spurs and a new manager, presumably Conte. Uh, in the next while I'm going to have to keep it quite vague as it stands right now because we just don't know enough but I do feel like towards the end of this week you'll have an awful you'll have a much better idea of where things are at 
yeah. whether Spurs have appointed a new manager, how have United done against Atalanta? Was it a blip? Is it, is there a continuing thing going on with the five three two, for example? Two games that I think will be impossible to ignore um, for United, and I think then you could start to wonder. Is Ronaldo going to stay as one of the two up top? Is Bruno going to continue to have so much freedom and a lot more freedom to um, shoot, I think, is going to become the thing uh, in that 5-3-2. Uh, we shall see. Yeah, no, I, I probably broadly line with you, boringly. Um, I think that, as I said earlier on, I'm glad it's almost over. I think we've got one more week to just assess, see what happens with the new manager at Spurs, see what happens with whatever the hell is going on with United and their formation. And what I like about them, to give the kind of alternative side of the coin, is that there's nearer a sense of certainty of the status of them. I think you said earlier, Anthony, if your player plays, I think that there's less of that with United and Spurs. Maybe there will be kind of a bit of iffiness surrounding those sort of midweeks, but you know that Son and Kane can play all of those. You know that Bruno will play all of those. And it's having that kind of expected minutes being kind of a bit more nailed for these kind of guys, that is a lot better than the likes of Chelsea and City. Uh, just to kind of draw back to Praz's question. I mean, it's just so easy with Spurs, isn't it? Like, you know, as you said, it's Son or it's Kane, and that's it. Like, the dual talisman um, of that team and picking them up early-ish would probably be worthwhile. After international break, as you kind of uh, intimated, game at 12 leads at home, 13 Burnley, 14 Brentford, 15 Norwich. That's pretty damn nice, isn't it? I mean, you've got United, albeit slightly later. You've got the Ronaldo kind of question, as I mentioned earlier on. I, I kind of am favouring Bruno in that kind of time frame. But I guess the bottom line is that both have ideal fixture runs to rediscover that lost form, in inverted commas. And this will perform a few kind of jobs. One will be for United, Oli managing to paper over the cracks and kind of show you that he should be in the job. Of course he should. And in, in the, the Spurs' uh, new boss's mind, being introduced to winning ways pretty early. Both will have their time in the coming weeks, I think. And I guess it kind of jabs at whether we're form versus fixtures people, I suppose. Like, I'm very happy to be probably bringing in Son, um, at least for that kind of time frame. Whether I'm going to invest in United Asset is questionable, um, but I'm fairly sure I probably will, just because of how United, under Holly the whole time, um, have done well if the fixtures have been blowing in their direction, frankly. Um, so I'd be very happy to do so. Right, let's move on to... Uh, Strikers, uh, obviously one of the most vexed positions so far this season. That We both kind of recounted our woes of strikers earlier on. Anthony getting the triple blank, me getting the double blank. Uh, Paul Pryor asks us for one of our comparisons. He's stuck between Tony, Rodrigo and Wilson on this free transfer in. Says he was confident on Tony, but it's possible for the eye test. And something, something uh, asks about strikers too. He's not too sure who to get in those budget spots. Um, should we get Hamstring Wilson? Should we get Benteke? Should Nacho, Adams, Armstrong, Kin, Watkins, etc.? Shrugging emoji, basically. Uh, it's a real mess, isn't it, Anthony? I mean, uh, budget strikers, I think all the way up to uh, Jimenez, who did very well tonight. I mean, it is very tough uh, to impersonate it for a second uh, when you're assessing this area, isn't it? It's nigh on impossible right now. Like, I think how impossible it it seems to be is maybe shown by like my inability to pick the right strikers for multiple weeks in a row. Now I just, just can't work it out for the life of me. Um, like Paul in his question mentioned Tony and like, whilst the eye test hasn't been great, I'll admit I've only been seeing highlights of Brentford games for a few weeks now where, you know, it's just the lack of highlights is kind of the key detail there. Um, 
I still feel like Brentford's fixtures are too good for me to ignore him. Wilson, so reliably picking up goals, even if Newcastle is struggling. You know, there's there's always something quite tempting about Wilson, and I you know would have spoke very um, admiringly of him in preseason. But like a Brighton game and an Arsenal game in the next three, for example, makes me think that uh, you know give him another while before he'd want to come into my side. And then Rodrigo. No, it's just not happening. Uh, he's not the. I do, I wouldn't want to bring him into my side. I feel like Leeds are just, you know, they're a half force without Bamford, and I just wouldn't be too interested in having him in. I think Rafinha has enough exposure to that Leeds side. When you look at the underlying data, nobody screams out. Like for example, just over the last five uh, matches, none of the strikers have got more than an xG of three. None. So you've got a Bamiang. Antonio, Vardy and Watkins and Kane and Benteke. They're the only ones with over two. Like it's kind of a, it's a very funny set of uh, strikers to have in there. Uh, like Watkins, things could turn up for him. They haven't been particularly good so far, so things could improve. Uh, he even hit the bar there um, This in this game week. Uh, Antonio is yeah. consistently good, but you have him. So, you know. Watkins hitting the woodwork. Shock horror. Yeah. Next up, we're going to find the Pope's Catholic or something, aren't we? Something like that. Yeah. And like, this is the thing is that there, there is not an obvious fake. Like Huang and Jimenez um, have both proven relatively consistent in recent weeks. Huang, because he's so cheap, especially is tempting. I stick by the Jesus pick at this point because that's how kind of yep. dispiriting Fine. I found the rest of the forwards. Um, and so with that in mind, if you have money to spend and you don't know what to do, just join me on Jesus because you have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. Um, but doing like, the post work there, aren't you? Yeah, there's a, there's a serious, yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, there's a serious lack of excitement, uh, just overall. Oh, there, in the there, there really is, there really is. I mean, I was looking at um, you know, the fixtures for the next few weeks, and I, the, the four names that I scraped together are um, ones who could who have maybe gone underappreciated, but also ones that you kind of look at and go, really, first one. Mopay. <laughs> okay. Brighton's yeah. run right now is really good, actually, from now on. Oh, um, I, don't, I, I mean, if we're looking at just on a fixtures level, not on a form level, but a fixtures level, um, Brighton's run's really good. Yes, he's famously Mopay, an underperformer slash barn door unbotherer. Um, but his fixtures are really decent and his underlying numbers are actually fairly acceptable for 6.5. Didn't play this week tactically, um, I think. Um, but I imagine he would do so for now. Um, expect some frustration, um, but nonetheless, so the fixtures are fairly decent. Uh, the price is fairly decent. I mean, six point five. It's all priced in Anthony, as I like to say. There's, there's, there's a player in my head, and if I swear, I think you're going to pick him. And I, I'm getting next one, scared. Chris Wood. No. <laughs> a goal and assist. Uh, oh, sorry, a goal. Oh, gee, this just got wiped off. But a goal this week for Burnley. Their run after Chelsea um, is fairly decent um, for a little while. Again, I'm scrabbling around, but he's good for 10 goals a season. He's scored two so far. So we've got eight more to go. Could it be during the next kind of nice period? Perhaps. Oh, Final no. mention is no. Wilson slash ASM. Um, after Brighton, they've got three games in Forest in James's Park, and all of them are in a must-win category. So they've got Brentford, Norwich, and Burnley with an Arsenal kind of fixture in between. I think one of them could be a fairly fun pump. Maybe Wilson uh, would be the one actually I'm honing in on uh, for next week, not for this week. And um, I could say, you know, Techers, Edouard, something like that. Don't know the situation at Crystal Palace. There's cheaper options like Huang hanging around. My eyes are actually on Jimenez. Um, I, mean, I think he looked great from what I saw. 
he's really getting into the swing of it in this game. He looked very hungry. And um, he's he's also had the data for a bit. So we were speaking about in the Slack, weren't we, a little while ago about strikers. And he was one that I was kind of pushing forward as being fairly decent. Um, he's got Palace, West Brom, uh, Norwich and Burnley in the next four. Um, so a nice little striker pickup potentially. But yeah, it's all up in the air, isn't it? Around strikers in general. It feels like it is Antonio plus one for me. Antonio is a bit of an ex-goat sort of character as we've spoken about last year. Last year we were saying, oh, if only he could persistently play, then we'd be happy with him. Obviously, four goals for West Ham this game week. No involvement for Antonio. Assisted the assister twice. Like, you know, in another, another kind of sliding doors world, he'd have two assists and we wouldn't be having this conversation, uh, mentioning him conversation, I guess. But... In addition to him at the moment, it's pretty pretty tough. Um, I think that 3-5-2, 4-4-2 is the way forward because there's definitely a dearth of the quality in the striker area. Yep. No, that's uh, pretty much rounds that one off, I think, on for me anyway. I think we might as well move on to the next question, which was just FPL Geek asking about the possibility of swinging against the Salah captaincy. The thing we said would couldn't be done. He's questioning if it should be done because he's basically pointing out that West Ham are actually quite good as they've proven to be uh, as they sit there in the top four. And he asks, where else, if we dare go, might we go, Tom? Don't do it to yourself. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, I maybe it's all kind of fear-driven. Um, but I look over the set of fixtures for game week 11. I look at them pretty strongly and I kind of think, I'm not sure where I would be backing outside of uh, Salah either. I mean, I'm, I've am i got Vardy. I'm going to be keeping him versus Leeds. Last year, he um, did a number on them, basically. Um, so he could be one um, who could be pretty well suited to that fixture. Maybe another chance for Kai Havertz uh, versus uh, Burnley. Or, dare I say it, one of the Chelsea fullbacks, if you want to read those tea leaves and yeah, tell me and, who's and, starting. And vice-captain, another one. Oh, exactly. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at these fixtures, Anthony. I mean, if, if I owned Aubameyang, for example, oh um, versus Watford, maybe I'd captain him. Oh. I mean, it really is one which is a bit of a vexed question. Like, even if you kind of home in on Everton versus Spurs, given how bad Everton looked tonight, looking at Spurs and how bad they were, like, could we kind of be saying, right, you know what, Captain Son, hope that new manager bounce. Captain Kane, hope that new manager bounce. It's all very ifs and buts based, isn't it? So I'm not entirely sure where I would go this week. I feel like kind of you're kind of forcing the situation a tiny bit, even though I can kind of see what you're saying at West Ham being pretty solid. Liverpool were probably just a bit better than they are in terms of squad quality. Yeah, Liverpool are definitely a bit better than West Ham in terms of squad quality. I can't disagree with that, but West Ham still at the end of the day, in terms of XGC, they're fourth best. And in terms of expected clean sheets, they're sixth best in the league. So consistently, they've done pretty well defensively. They haven't actually you know, kept enough clean sheets as anyone who owns Sufal at any point in the season would know. But at the same time... Um, they have been pretty good and they're not the sort of team that a player is likely to haul against. And obviously that's what you'd want from your captain. The thing is, do you really want to take the risk that, you know, Salah goes and gets a goal and under all like uh, in all likelihood, it's, it's going to be hard to pick a player who outscores a goal um, for your captaincy, or at least outscores what a midfield goal is worth. If you looked at going for any of the strikers, like for example, Tony, who's someone who most of us would have in our squads, has a very, very, very good fixture at home to Norwich, and Brentford have actually 
oddly have something to prove all of a sudden having had such a good start to the season. And Tony himself even does four games now without a goal in the league. But are you going to go for him, a forward, and swing against Salah? I think you'd be very brave to do so. Yeah, I think you'd also be very brave to go for someone like a Bamiyang, even if his underlying data is there. Uh, if you did have him in your team, I'd be surprised if you did. But if you did, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely a very niche, surprised, if, yeah. very surprised if you had that ten million striker who hasn't done a huge amount this season in your team. But um, if you did, like, I'm not sure if you go for it. But like I am looking at Salah, and you're thinking, or not Salah, I'm looking at Saka. He was in my side, and you're like, oh, that's a real, there's a serious <laughs> that's, that's, upside there. No, it's not going to happen. It's never, it's never <laughs> happening, though, is it? It is never happening. And so I think it's more just inertia is going to drive you towards Salah. And I think that's okay. I, I don't think anyone should be afraid to say, just do it again. Now, the, the one thing is that if you think that United just got lucky against Spurs and that systematically they have not fixed everything that's wrong with them. And you think that there's one man who currently resides in Manchester who has something to prove when it comes to playing against Manchester United, then you might think that one of Pep's players against Manchester United in the afternoon kickoff might be the one to captain. Um, yep, and I think yep. it will be very interesting if you captain a Foden, for example. Could be. It could be. Um Okay, yes, maybe that's one of them that you kind of look at it in FPL manager's point of view. You look at those games and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to shy away from that kind of big fixture. But yeah, that's the one. It's the, the one that you think fun. it's also for with City players. We're always saying if they play well, like Foden is objectively in City's best starting 11. And so with that in mind, you would think he will play. And like United have not been good defensively. Like if you look at the underlying data, there was all the graphs that were going around, um, you know, after the uh, Liverpool loss, which showed how bad United have been defensively. They're right up there in terms of XG, uh, XG conceded. They're right up there in terms of expected clean sheets. They're just really bad, like the bottom half in both. Yeah. In terms of well, I mean, I mean as United fan, uh, moving on to transfers and captains with uh, Jesus and Cancelo, I guess you've got, um, you're hoping you'll be making hay this week. I mean, your team looks pretty good to the eye and you've got two free transfers. I'm, I'm in the same situation where I've got two free transfers. I've got no idea what the hell I'm doing with them. I mean, describe your team, Anthony, uh, for the listeners and also kind of some indication of what you're looking to do next. I mean, I, I, I'm the same as you. I've got no idea what I'm doing because your team is as good as mine does. Yeah, it's, uh, to describe it, it's quite a, it's kind of rectangular with two bits sticking out at either end. It's a 4-4-2 with Sanchez. Then you in the defence, you've got Cancelo, Rudiger, Livermento and White. Uh, midfield, Saka, Mane, Salah, Rafinha. And then up top, there's Tony and Jesus. The bench then consists, if I was to go with this, as my bus team is, of Antonio, Cody and Alan. Now, I'm not sure if benching Antonio, even if it's against Liverpool, uh, is a good idea. Um, Liverpool's defence hasn't been perfect all season, and so I think he probably is someone who I should be looking to play. Um, I do obviously need to make a transfer. I've been talking for so long about bringing in a better goalkeeper. The thing is that now Sanchez is at home to Newcastle, so this is not the time Their, their run is transfer. also great, isn't it? Yeah, so. it's just like I, I seem to have accidentally held Sanchez through the bad run that was making me think about getting rid of him, and now it's just like he's he's stuck there again. So the the you know the itchy hands would have me pointing towards actually transferring out Mane out of my side, even though it's like I've been quite happy actually after. This game, we haven't been very disappointed. With nah, I wouldn't United do. That. I wouldn't do that. I mean, the fixtures are really good from like good from enough. West Ham aren't bad. Arsenal have been very good defensively lately, and it just makes me wonder: is there is there a bigger upside to going elsewhere? But then, as you say, Tom, and this is what I was getting to, there isn't a compelling character to jump uh, on here that isn't a risk. Yeah. Uh, so. The most likely thing to do, considering I actually have two and a half mil burning a hole in my ben- in my pocket, is that I 
probably transfer out somebody to make up a little bit of cash and so that I can fund another more interesting transfer. And I actually think that that somebody could well be Rafinha because I need to get more money into my defense going forward. And yeah, it's a swing against the template, but he's just one who, you know, the Leicester game, I'm I'm not sure if I really, do I want him for it? Like Leicester haven't been great, but he's the one that's just making, I'm just tempted to get rid of. I feel like we've just got a little mm-hmm. bit fortunate that he's got the returns that he's got. Even in this game week, there were three blanks before that. Or, you know, he played in one of them. I didn't play in one of them, I guess. Um, but he just hasn't been a brilliant hold for me. Um, and so with that in mind, but then, then again, Saka is someone who has been in my side and I've been annoyed about, but because it's Watford, I'm just not considering getting rid of him. All in all, actually, it's it's just really annoying that I have two free transfers now because I feel the need to do something and I kind yeah. of don't think I want to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't uh, know. What, what would you talk? Like, where, who would you get rid of? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's the like, thing. You know, and like, you, you look at the no bench, and like, you know, Alan is sacrosanct. Like, he, he's not going anywhere. That's <laughs> 4.5 in the game. He's now 4.6. You you know, know, yeah, I, I was thinking, like, the only thing I could possibly think of doing would be like run arson to foster here that's how set you are no i hope yeah um so you know look i I wouldn't be moving i wouldn't be moving rafinha um ahead of leicester i I just think that is price we we, we both whack lyrical about that i know how good he is you see look the, the player who i want to get in longer run here is Trent Alexander-Arnold who I don't have in my side it's yeah. becoming a real yeah. problem to get Trent Alexander-Arnold in because of his price I need to upgrade one of my 4.5s and to do that sure. I need to find you know yeah I mean, that's basically the gamble you've made though with owning Jesus isn't it really um, that yeah I'm not going to say it was a calculated gamble but it, it, it's occurred now I've, yeah and you but you got Mane as well and then you've got just I hope the Liverpool's defence stays leaky I mean the injuries they've got in midfield you can probably not be as worried about Trent as either, I would otherwise but you've got a week to plot your return I suppose <laughs> so Okay. And what about what about you, Tom? Moving on from okay, the like, similarly cloud of murky similarly, uncertainty, similarly ridiculously tough situation. But greater own goal: uh, Trent, Cancelo, Christensen, Aspilicueta, both playing Burnley, and um, Buemo, Mustafa, Rafinha, uh, Salah, captain, and Havertz up front. I've got Antonio versus Liverpool. I think I'm just going to play him every game. Uh, I think he's a bit of an ex goat, and we were saying last year said earlier. Yeah, we wanted him to have the appearance. X Mins, he does have that now. Although, but I'm not playing and Vardy versus Leeds I really like that and on the bench I've got a, a nice sort of clear bench of Dennis Ben Rama at home to Liverpool and Cody and and I think I have two chances as well to use them after international break to attack it so this game week is all about stability I've got absolutely no idea what I'm going to do with them I mean I've, I've Christensen to Livermento has crossed my mind that's Liquetta to Sigrey to Chilwell or something like that it's crossed my mind as well I simply don't know what to do. I, mean, See, I, I presume Ben Rama is going to be going out. He goes next week. There's no point in doing that because I don't know who I'd bench for him. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's not. Um, it's just not worth it at the moment um, to move someone on because I, I really like Cornet, for example, at Burnley. I think he's a really nice kind of uh, differential kind of pick. I mean, noticed earlier on that you had loads of stars in your team, like low kind of yeah. own players I haven't got that many low own players right now and that kind of pick I'm looking to do as I mentioned earlier with the wood thing Burnley have got really nice fixtures for a little while 
well, not really nice, but nice enough for a little while. He looks like he's making a difference for Burnley. So I really like him in for Ben Rama. I really like Vardy to go for, for a cheap striker. I like Havertz to go for Son next week. This week, I have no seems idea like, what I'm doing. Seems like you're into lovely one-week punt territory there, even though I know like so, so much uh, of your team has decent uh, fixtures, but you've got serious X-Min's problems in the defence. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I want to see what happens with um, Chelsea tomorrow you, maybe i'll read some tea leaves and just do espelicueta because i think long term i want i want chill well probably don't mm-hmm. want espelicueta anymore tushel's comments were that his wing backs are like midfielders in his squad and i don't think espelicueta yeah. counts in that wing back category really you've you've, you've three so you've three players coming off the bench none of whom you want to play absolutely not and that's, that's i think that's that's a really so, big problem when you've got you know three players who have massive question marks over their game yeah play. christensen to livermento aspilicueta to chilwell those are the two kind of i think moves that i could potentially do um and i think havertz will play versus getting, burnley getting Livre in of all of them seems like one that just gets you budget which it presumably might give yeah, you a chance to just have an extra bit of you know an extra night or two um where you're not worried about price changes uh with the big move that you plan yeah, it's boring, but that could be what I do. I, I really do. I think that. I mean, the first sub again. I mean, at the moment, I've got first sub Dennis away at Arsenal, but I'm sure it will end up being first sub Cody away at Crystal Palace. So having mm-hmm. on the 4.5, I think I want to go to 3 5 2 eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Having a, a Trent Cancelo, one of the Chelsea fullbacks. Um, and then Livermento being the first sub, so maybe that would be the way I go. It's whether mm-hmm. I go Livermento first or whether I get on the Chelsea fullbacks and just kind of swallow the fact that it may go wrong with Vasilicueta um, being sold this week. But I, I don't think I want him long term, annoyingly. Mm-hmm. Um, although a few Chelsea fans said that he may be able to play uh, for a little while now as well. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to read the tea leaves basically this game week up, but I do like the idea of just getting in Chilwell and thinking, yeah, you know what? Alexander Arnold, Cancelo, Chilwell being the back three. I think that's pretty decent, those three fullbacks. I just don't bloody know right now. Yeah. Right, I think that's basically it, isn't it, Anthony? Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, somewhat underwhelming end there with our transfers and <laughs> captains. So we would probably appreciate some of your input on that um, in a cordial and constructive way on our Twitters at FPSDAG and WGTA underscore FPL. But until then, thank you so much for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. We would greatly appreciate if you could leave a five-star review if you liked what you heard or indeed saw if you decide to look at us on YouTube where you can find us by searching WGTA or Who Got the Assist if you feel like typing. The correspondence, if you wish to be like Ali Ash this week, then you can email whogottheassist at gmail.com or find some other way to get whatever sort of correspondence that you have to us via Twitter DMs or WhatsApps or whatever it might be that you find easy. Until then, the Lee code, if you're not in it, 2IP43T is the code that you need. And we would greatly like to see you in there very soon. Cool. Thanks, Anthony. Um, I hope just you think about the 200 Club for the rest of the season, perhaps. Um, or at least it gave you something interesting to think about. We'll be back next week uh, ahead of the final international break of this calendar year. Speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Ciao. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.